Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, the president of the USA had an executive decision to make, which he does off-screen for some reason. But to make up for a proper lack of POTUS in part one, today it's all about the Prez, as Harrison Ford proves he's more than a pen-pushing premier as he takes on Gary Oldman in 1997's Air Force One. Tonight I come to you with a pledge to change America's policy. Atrocity and terror are not political weapons, and to those who would use them, your day is over. In a speech tonight in Moscow, the president issued a direct challenge to terrorist nations but the around question the world. Remains, what are the risks involved in such a bold policy initiative? They hated your speech, didn't they? I'm afraid we won't have the guts to back it up. Air Force One clear for takeoff. Thank you for your hospitality, Moscow. The president's plane, Air Force One, has been hijacked. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. I'm 12 years old, Dad. In caveman days, I'd be having children of my own. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. Get off my plane! I'm Chris <laughs> I've got Tilly. a lot to say about that 12-year-old. <laughs> In caveman days, I'd be, no child says that. No. No child is, is thinking, yeah, I could, could, could be reproducing right now if it was should prehistory. Be. Yeah. yeah. I should be popping them out, Dad. That child would say it because I have a lot to say about that actress. Oh, okay. Great. There's a story there. Oh, interesting. All right, then. Uh, so are you both well? Good? Excited about this? Yes. Yes. Mm, okay. A little bit down on executive decision on Monday. I'm, I'm going to say that. So uh, let's see how we do with Air Force One. 
Very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, if you would be kind enough to do that on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods, it would be massively appreciated by the three of us. And if you're able to give us a little rating and review, we'd be very grateful. And if you do leave us a review, it could be read out on the show by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. Uh, I won't read out the name because it spoils the point being made. So this is what they have written. Uh, So happy I found this podcast and loving working through the previous episodes. After listening to Commando, I would like to offer up the theory that Predator is in fact the prequel to Commando. So this runs really for you, Alex. Uh, Dutch, after defeating the Predator, retires with Maria, the only surviving character, and conceives Jenny. After Maria tragically passes away during childbirth, uh, Dutch retires to become a full-time father and changes his name to Matrix, and so Commando begins. And that is from Dutch's Matrix. Interesting theory. I don't mind that theory. No. It's a good theory. It's a solid theory. Mm, I thought thought it might be in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it is. It is. Mm. And it means we really should do Predator at some point. I can't believe we haven't done it yet. Yeah, it's mad. It is is a little bit mad. What would we do it with, though? We'll figure it out in the pub. All right, if you've got any suggestions for what we do Predator with, hit us up on Twitter, at ClashPod, or Instagram, at ClashPod. Right, then, it was Victoria's choices this week. Remind us why. Because... I really love Air Force One. <laughs> Unbelievable. Really like Unbelievable reason. I'm sorry. Uh, if we get to the end of this episode and the verdict is all about how we should have done Passenger 57, because no, no. you have passed the buck repeatedly to me mm-hmm. saying executive decision was my call. It was. You're making it sound like you both were like, no, we have to do Passenger 57 and no. I put my foot down or something. No, no, it's not, it's not that. It's just I really, really love Air Force One so much. I actually didn't even care what we put it with, to be honest, because okay. that's how much I love it. Right, it's not really Clash of the Titles this Sorry. week, is it? It's, it's Clash of the Title, Air Force One. <laughs> I love this film. Fine, well, let's get into it. So on Monday, I was all decisive in executive fashion, and today Chris is being reminded of a childhood building airfix models as he shouts again, Get off my plane! Chris, take us on a journey. I'm going to do the synopsis via an in-flight checklist. So, confined location, check. Hero in the right place at the wrong time, check. Hero loves his wife and child, check. European villain with a beard, check. <laughs> European villain played by English actor chewing up scenery, check. <laughs> European villain who demands release of political prisoner, check. Hostage with big mouth who gets himself killed, check. Hero whose enemy is also bureaucracy, check. Hero whose identity <laughs> isn't believed by those on the ground, check. Hero takes out terrorists one by one, check. Hero saves the day by dropping villain from great height, check. And that's the plot of Die I mean Air Force One. <laughs> that was <Wow>. great. <laughs> So, Vicky. Yes. It's anecdote time. Right, guys. <laughs> oh, God. Take a breath. I lean forgot. in. I don't want you to miss a moment. If you okay? weren't listening to Monday's episode, for whatever reason, you should have done. Uh, Vicky has promised us an anecdote today, and we are very excited. It's, I shouldn't have said anecdote. It's my reason for loving Air Force One. And I, it doesn't bear repeating, which is why I didn't say it on Monday. But you're going to repeat it now. I'm not going to repeat it. I'm going to tell you. But you've told this anecdote before. You've tested it. No, I haven't. Oh, this is its first outing. This is its first outing. Okay, strap yourselves in. Yeah. Like I say, just have a moment. I don't want you to miss a thing, okay? Okay, okay. Stop building it up. When I went travelling in my van in 2012, I didn't watch TV for almost one year, right? No TV, okay? So... That was fine because mm. there's lots of things I didn't do during that time. I didn't have a single cup of tea in a year, which is weird for me. Drank a lot of coffee and wine and beer. No tea. No. Weird. Anyway, so then when it got to the winter, the van gets really cold. So we would spend more time in like campsite facilities if there were one, like a sort of rec room or just hanging out in the kitchen or whatever. And in one campsite in Ghent, and you know how much I love Ghent, but this is also a little bit why I love Ghent so much. If you haven't been to Ghent, it's Belgium. It's very nice. <laughs> 
Sonia Chechnya. <laughs> opposite Trieste. Yeah, she's just opposite Trieste. Anyway, so we're in Ghent and there was a TV room, right, which was the first time we'd ever seen that. And what's that Christmas film called with the ham and the Coca-Cola that I like very much? You remember when the kid presses up against the McDonald's? and Santa Claus the movie. Santa Claus the movie. So we saw a TV for the first time in a year and we were like... <gasps> It's a television. Let's not go sightseeing in Ghent. Let's watch whatever is on the television right now. It doesn't even matter what it is. And what it was was Air Force One. And we got sucked in. I was like, this is the single greatest movie (laughs) ever made. Now, you could argue that that's because we've been starved of TV for a year. Maybe. Or is it because it's one of the single greatest films ever made? It's the first one. You decide. It's the first one. No, it's the first one. No, it, it is. <laughs> it's it's because you'd been starved of TV. Because I had exactly the same experience. Weirdly, when I went travelling for three months around Southeast Asia when I was nineteen, and I got on a plane back, and I hadn't seen a movie in that whole time. That's a lie. That is you a lie. I watched, watched Speed, Speed Two. Speed, so. Yeah, I watched Speed Two. <laughs> I did watch Speed Two. Everyone else went trekking in the jungle, and I sat in a cafe on Kosan Road where they were playing movies and just watched movies. So all there the you time. go. So that's a massive that is lie. A good, but I hadn't towards the end. I hadn't seen one. I hadn't seen one for a little while. Anyway, I remember getting on the plane and I watched um, Executive Decision. And that's why you like it. <laughs> it was the Tim Robbins, Martin Lawrence comedy, Nothing to Lose. Mm-hmm. Great. It's a terrible film. And I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen because yeah. I hadn't seen a movie. So the minute we got back, and I mean the minute, we're like, hi, family. Great to see you. I was like, put on Air Force One <laughs> because we need to check to see if it's the greatest movie ever made. And? And it was fucking amazing. And then that's why I wanted to talk about it. And then I watched it again in the week. So I've seen it now like four or five times. Jeez. Love it. That's unusual for you. You normally haven't seen any of the movies we talk about more than once or at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you've seen this four times. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I saw this at the cinema at the end of that summer because I felt like this film came out at the tail end of the period where you had to see every new Harrison Ford film at the movies, mm. even if it was regarding Henry, the one where he can't remember things. Mm. Um, I never saw that. I watched the trailer and went, nope. J- I think J.J. Abrams wrote it. Yeah, that's Weirdly. right. Um, so, yeah, that is my memory. It was just, it was a, it was a good cinema. It was yeah. a good night at the movies. Yeah. Uh, Alex. This is so weird because we all have really, I have a really distinct memory of watching Air Force One. So maybe it is the greatest film ever made. <laughs> I think it's up there. It might be because it was 1999. I was sitting in my then girlfriend's room in the flat we had. Uh, we were renting in Pratt Street, Camden, and we put it on. And I just remember there's one scene in particular, which we'll, we'll get to. Uh, and it, we, I don't think, I don't think we were smoking weed, but I just, because I watched it this time and I was like, the scene's coming up. And I just remember crying with laughter at this one scene. And I watched it this time. I was like, Oh. oh, that wasn't as funny, but there's one scene in it, which I'll mention. Which I feel like it's funny. because it delivers on the premise of seeing Harrison Ford tell some terrorists to get off his plane <laughs> and then watching Harrison Ford get some terrorists off his plane. It's very simple. Yeah. Uh, so a little bit of background. The script was written by Andrew Marlowe, uh, a screenwriter who'd sold a bunch of unmade spec scripts before getting Air Force One off the ground. Nice. Um, he followed up with past Clash title End of Days yep. uh, and oh. potential future Clash title Hollow Man, yep. while he also created the TV series Castle, starring Alex's favourite. Yep, Nathan Fillion. There you go. And Nathan. He'd been Ant-Man, couldn't he? <laughs> he would have made a great Ant-Man. <laughs> the internet tells me Kevin Costner was up for the lead, um, obviously, I feel like. Uh, but... No, I think that there's actual genuine... Uh, Harrison Ford has spoken about that. Okay. So he does actually say, Harrison Ford says, uh, uh, this was a script that Kevin Costner originally had and he gave it to me. Uh, now, Kevin and I are not intimates. 
Harrison's words. Kevin and I are not intimate. I met him on only a number of occasions and I like him very much. And I like him a lot more now because he really threw a winner my way. Mm, because he couldn't do it because he was making the postman. Mm, another <laughs> winner. <laughs> um, but I think the Harrison forecasting works, obviously, because it's Harrison Ford. But also, it almost felt like a continuation of those Tom Clancy movies. Yes. It's the same character. Yeah. Just this is a much more stupid version of those stories. <laughs> um, better version, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know better, but Clear and Present Danger is fantastic. But... It's a bit more intelligent. Mm. What was the other one? The Devil's Own. No, it was Patriot Games. The Devil's Own was was him, but it wasn't a Tom Clancy. Uh, the Devil's, Devil's Own's terrible. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were both um, IRA films. Right. Uh, Wolfgang Peterson, the director, was hot on the heels of In Line of Fire and Outbreak. Um, so he landed the directing gig. And after that, a writer called Paul Atanzio was brought in a script doctor. And it sounds like his job was to remove scenes explaining Agent Gibbs' motivation for betraying his country <laughs> in the movie, which is an interesting decision, which we'll get to when we talk through the film. But that was a very big shout from Wolfgang, it is I think, bit, yeah. <laughs> to drop that stuff it's out. It's so weird. It's such a weird decision. What's happened to Wolfgang Peterson? The last US movie he made was Poseidon back in 2006, which I was it's still, I think, no, that lost money. Poseidon lost money. Troy before that which he yeah. did, I thought that was a bit of a flop. And so I put those two together and gone, well, that, that explains his absence. But actually, Troy was massive. Yeah, Troy's massive. I yeah. think Poseidon did okay. Did it? Okay. Um, I think he's, got, he's old as well, Alex. I, but I actually found something. He says that, you know, getting big movies like he likes to do off the ground that are original ideas these days is just getting harder and harder yeah. mm. and everything's a franchise. And mm -hmm. that's why he doesn't want to make those. He killed that horse. In what? Never any story. Or did he? Oh, he did kill, yes. Just because Vicky's kids were fed a lie <laughs> doesn't mean that Artex doesn't die. What did I tell them? That it swam to say? No, there was a tunnel it, under it, the water. That's it, that's <laughs> a it. tunnel under the swamp and yes. it just, it got out. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. listen to the Never Ending Story episode if you haven't, because it's amazing uh, what Vicky came up with. Uh, other background stuff concerns the fact that various presidents liked the film. No surprise there. Yeah. And the fact that the plane isn't exactly the same as the real Air Force One, which as it's a movie means there's also no surprise there. That's Fine. <laughs> um, Alex mentioned this on Monday, but um, Randy Newman wrote a score for this. Wolfgang Peterson thought it was shite, so hired Jerry Goldsmith. Mm. Um, he said it was a, Randy Newman's score was a parody, is what he called it. He mm. said it was just like, it almost seemed like he was making fun of the film. And too serious mm. as well. I think one of the songs that Randy Newman wrote, or part of the score, made it into a Toy Story film. Yeah, Toy Story 3. Right. Um, so bearing in mind Jerry Goldsmith did um, Monday score as well for his decision That's, he's up to 15 Clash titles Planet of the Apes Chinatown The Omen Alien Gremlins Inner Space The Burbs Total Recall Gremlins 2 Sleeping with the Enemy Basic Instinct Congo Early Confidential Executive Decision Air Force 1 mm. so well done Jerry it, Goldsmith he, if I was making executive decision I'd be a little pissed off with him because he really yeah. but he pulls out a great score for Air Force 1 it's mm. like all like oh wow mm. and executive decision I couldn't tell you what it sounded like no but shall we talk about the film? Uh, the only other thing I mention, unless you want to mention it, is this is uh, Donald Trump's favourite film. Well, oh, is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, my favourite film ever was Harrison Ford. He doesn't know the name of the film. He goes, my favourite film ever was Harrison Ford on the plane. I love, Har I love Harrison Ford. And not just because he rents my properties, he stood up for America. Uh. And when he was told this in an interview, Harrison Ford said, Donald, it was a movie. It's not like this in real life, but how would you know? Ooh. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I dealt with that, but I just didn't want to name him. Uh, and he also, on his election night win, when Donald Trump came on stage, having won the election, 
came out to the music, Jerry Goldsmith's score from Air Force One. Oh, See, no. I didn't believe that, but I then also couldn't be asked to go and check. I did check. Yeah. He genuinely comes out to the music from Air Force One. Oh, wow. That's ruining it for me. Yeah. That's why I didn't want to bring it up. You and Donald Trump have more in common than you think. Wow. Hmm? I quite like that. So, <laughs> it's, you know. not the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Air Force One. I said it on the Thermal Louise episode and I'll say it again. I don't think I need two minutes of credits to start a movie. True. Uh, but I've got to say, I'd forgotten how stacked the cast is and that yes! did bring it home to me. <laughs> so obviously Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman, but I'd forgotten because I've not seen this since it came out. Glenn Close, William H. Macy, Dean Stockwell, Philip Baker Hall, Jürgen Prochnow and also Xander Berkeley an actor who I really like and I love the fact that he is just never to be trusted in anything ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Do not trust that man. I was trying to think because he's so familiar. What else has he played this kind of role 24 in? is the big right, one. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's in a lot of 24 playing, uh, well, everyone flip-flops in 24. Yeah. But um, So that brings me on to my first section, Air Force Begun, which is my first Air Force pun of the day. Okay. Look out for more of those. Um. <laughs> We're in Kazakhstan, which is in Italy, and <laughs> <laughs> Russian. It is, isn't it? Uh, Russian and American special forces take General Ivan Radek prisoner, a dictator whose nuclear arsenal could bring the world into a new Cold War. We're then at a Russian dinner where President James Marshall, played by Harrison Ford, is being celebrated as brave and great, but he goes off piste. And he says it was too late. He's upset by what he saw at refugee camp. He's embarrassed that he hid behind rhetoric and diplomacy for a year while Kazakhstanis were slaughtered. Never again will he let political self-interest deter America from doing what is right, which is all a bit grim in the context of what's happening right now in Afghanistan in the real world. That's good. He was Chris delivered that well, didn't he? Yeah, that's great. I'd vote for you. I'm just a bit upset about it. Um, he ends with the words, we will never negotiate. <laughs> uh, and when Harrison Ford speaks like that, you know he's being serious. Yeah. The start is great. It's the like, speech it, is amazing. He's great and it feels like this whole bit of the start, and indeed right up until it turns into Die Hard, it feels like the West Wing. Like it feels, I, yeah. I, I get yeah. all West Wing vibes from it, except mm-hmm. that you know there's going to be an action movie as yeah. well as that. So it's like the West what Wing a treat. plus well, it, more. Yeah, it's such a good speech that the Russians clap and cheer him as he heads onto Air Force One because Russians bloody love America. Yeah, <laughs> especially the president. They didn't, but they do now. They because do now. It's Harrison Ford. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, the only bit that because you've built the president up here to be a maverick and a bit of a good guy, and everyone's like in love with him. The only part that I don't like, and it's such a tiny oh, little I know thing, what you're going to say is when he goes on the plane and says to the pilot, hey, let's go to Barbados. And the pilot goes, ha, 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 And you're like, wasn't that funny? And that's the point where you go, it doesn't matter that he's a good guy. People are still sort of like, just like, he's the president. So people laugh at stuff that isn't funny. And it kind yeah. of undoes the work of creating this real everyman likable yeah. president. Mm. I thought you were going to say the bit where he's in the limo and... His aide is like, they're already calling it the be afraid speech. And he's like, good. And he's like, no, you should be the sort of man that's like, I don't care what the press say. I'm not in it for that. Like, mm-hmm. especially with it being the 90s, but it's fine. So you you hate him now? Or? No, no. Okay. I, like I say, I love this film. So he's on to Air Force One, but Gary Oldman using his Dracula accent to play a terrorist <laughs> called Igor is masquerading as a journalist and he's Listen already on the plane. To the children of the night. <laughs> What? I'm getting on Air Force One. Brilliant. He's on the plane with his terrorist buddies and they've even had a tour. 
Yeah. Uh, which cleverly shows us the geography of the aircraft. Exactly. It's Good brilliant. writing. Good writing. Brilliant direction, taking you through the plane. But also, executive decision suffers from the plane is a normal plane and you're just like, ugh, like, oh, it's <laughs> oh, no, a normal plane. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's crowded and they're going to be over. But when, Transatlantic Vicky just <laughs> spent too much time on planes. But, you, you, you know, it's just travelling on a plane. Like, unless you are in somewhere fancy. I've never flew like flown business class or first class. I'm always very jealous of people that do, but you're just like, oh, it's just a plane. But Air Force One, you're like, wow, this is so cool. It would be amazing to be on that plane. So it's a little bit of aspiration It's as interesting well. how that came about, actually, because Harrison Ford, he got Glenn Close in the movie, first of all, because he, he was at a dinner and Glenn Close and Bill Clinton were sitting together while Bill Clinton was the president. And he goes up and he, he offers Glenn Close the part of the vice president and then says to Bill Clinton, also, uh, can we get a tour of Air Force One uh, for this film that I'm making? And Bill Clinton uh, was like, yeah, sure. all right, let's, let's do it. And that whole scene of the press secretary showing the terrorist round came from them being shown around Air Force One by a tour guide. And they basically sort of took a lot of that reality and just put it in the movie to the point that they felt really bad about killing the press secretary in oh, the yeah, film. You should. Because they felt like they were actually killing the tour guide that they met in real life. Well, then they're stupid people. Vicky, don't ever fly in business class. Really? Why? Is it not worth it? Don't you get free drinks? Uh, why would you not fly in business class? Because... I'm not welcome. Oh, yeah, sorry, you shouldn't fly in business class, but people should if they can. No, because I got to do it once, and it's not good to see how the other half live and have to go back. Oh, man, oh that's yeah. true, it, spo- yeah. it spoils their travel forever. Yes. Really I don't want to be up there. I, yeah, I'd rather not true. know what's behind that curtain. True. It's, it's, it's awful, because obviously I've, for work, yeah. I've flown business, but then I'm not going to fucking pay five grand for a seat. <laughs> for that audience. For a seat. And, um, and, but that bit where you get on the plane and you turn right instead of left mm. is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. They take off and the president just wants to watch the ball game and have a beer because he's a bloody bloke. Yeah. Uh, but then we're into Air Force Gun. As with the help of Rogue Secret Service Agent Gibbs, the baddies are now armed and shooting the place up. Yeah, why does Gibbs traitor? Who knows? Mm. Would you like to know? Yeah. Well, I assumed he'd been promised lots of money. I, I figured it was... Because he, he doesn't bust out a Russian accent at the end. I thought that might happen. No, I think it's because he was pissed off with America for some reason. I imagine yeah. it's kind of like the guy in Olympus Has Fallen yes. who... What's that again? Dylan, Dylan guy. I can't remember. Anyway, him who uh, basically... Dylan McDermott? Yes, thank you. Or Dermot McDillon. <laughs> There's a couple of them, isn't there? Dermot Mulroney. No, it's not. Dylan McDermott. one. First one. Go on then. So according to director Wolfgang Peterson on the film's commentary, evident which of which I could only find on Wikipedia, uh, Gibbs was a former CIA agent who lost a lot after the end of the Cold War and thus became angry with the American government and wanted revenge. He knew the terrorists from his CIA days and so they included him in their operation. Wolfgang Peterson felt it was too long and irrelevant to the plot. Peterson also said that in the original draft, Gibbs revealed himself as the mole early and joined the terrorists in hijacking the plane. The director felt it was more suspenseful to keep the audience guessing in the final cut and specifically pointed to the scene in which Marshall gives Gibbs a gun before escorting the hostages from the conference room to the parachutes in the cargo hold. That's fine, but then you've got to explain it at the end. Yeah. At some point, it only needs a line, but there has to be some reason for him doing what he's doing. Yeah, sure. 100%. And I would also disagree that 
you should keep him as the final bad guy. I think that should be Gary Oldman. Me too. It's, yeah. it's yeah. like you kill Gibbs early and then have Gary Oldman having the president fight him at the end. Yeah. Well, I think you kill Gary Oldman dies and there's like 25 minutes left. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what's going on here? Um, and, and the villain is now someone whose motive we don't understand. True. So security moved the president through the plane like a ragdoll, which, as you know, I always like. Uh, <laughs> they stick him in the escape pod, uh, which the American government in real life says doesn't exist, but then they would say that, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, I think it does. We saw that escape pod in Escape from New York, didn't yep. we? Mm-hmm. And there's a great movie called Big Game where Samuel Jackson escapes on that pod. Um, and that gets deployed. But we know he isn't on board because this is Harrison Ford and his family still on the plane. He wouldn't do that, would he? Where's my family? <laughs> uh, so the goodies are trying to land while the baddies are trying to stop it. Uh, they shoot one pilot, then the other one. That's so good! Because in all these films... And even David Suchet, who does he mean? He doesn't kill anyone for ages in executive decision. It's just so weak. But in this, Gary Oldman's like, I will kill you. And he does. And you're like, yes, that's brilliant. So you know how to look strong in front of Vicky. (laughs) (laughs) Quick murder. Just a quick one. Um, This is where I forgot. You see, because I think in my head, I'd sort of gone, no, there's a certain amount of realism to Air Force One. The bit where the 747 is slaloming down the runway, like where it's turning to dodge buildings and like dodge trees. I'm like, come on. This is is too early and too much. It's very exciting though. It's ridiculous. A plane can't do that. So while that's happening, Madam Vice President Glenn Close is taking charge on the ground. Um, Igor speaks to the Madam VP. (laughs) <laughs> and we realise that he isn't just evil, he's also sexist as he keeps asking about her blouse. I would have loved it. I, I misremembered. He's like, how's your blouse? Oh, and I would have loved it if she'd leaned forward and gone, bone dry, motherfucker, because <laughs> I am Glenn Close. <laughs> and he's even more evil because he smokes on the plane. Oh, what yeah. is he doing? Yeah. Um, did you, do you know what Glenn Close had changed about her character? There was one thing. Cries. Yes, that was right, yeah, in the original script. She does cry in this. No, she doesn't. She does. She doesn't. There are tears in this film. Maybe slight tears, but like she actually She wipes sobbed. away tears, yeah. She sobbed in the original script and she said that makes my character seem uh, weaker than she would yeah. be. I like that, but I noticed her wiping away tears. It made her seem human. So I just find the whole bit in that room. I mean, granted, it's a much better room than the room in Executive Decision. Hell yes. I'll give it that. But I find the sort of power struggle between Dean Stockwell yeah. and Glenn Close just a bit fucking ridiculous, it especially ridiculous. towards the end where Dean Stockwell goes, I've brought someone in who's going to tell you that I'm in charge. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've got the VP and the Defence Secretary having two arguments. They're squabbling over who's in charge yeah. and they're squabbling over whether or not they should negotiate. And neither of it's particularly interesting. So we don't need to keep coming back to it. Agreed. But and also, Dean Stockwell, he threw me a bit because he's like, there are no airborne scenarios. It's like, well, there fucking should be. Mm. Like, you run one scenario at least. Yeah. But that boring stuff isn't so bad because we're soon into Air Force fun. Yeah. As we find out that not only is the president alive and well on the plane, he's also got a Medal of Honor, flew scores of rescue missions in Vietnam and knows how to fight. Mm. <sighs> Trouble is, I think he's a bit too capable. Okay. Um, I feel like there should be some doubt that he'll succeed, especially as it's Harrison Ford. But it just, once we've got all that information, it just feels like it's never really in question. Oh, and don't forget, the element of surprise is a fundamental advantage in combat. Love that. Mm. <laughs> so the president beats up a terrorist, grabs a gun, shoots another terrorist. Um, yeah. Turns some TV volumes up. Cool. Sets off a watch alarm. Yeah. <laughs> hides behind a chair. <laughs> that was <laughs> Igor executes uh, the national security advisor, then delivers a speech justifying his actions to the president's 12-year-old daughter. So the 12-year-old daughter bit, right, we need to talk about that. So first of all, like, 
when she's with her dad before it's all kicked off and she's like, why didn't you take me to a refugee camp? And it's like, well, A, you are 12. But also what bullshit question is that? Like, you're 12, you're the president's daughter. So for four years, you can have anything you want, but what you want is to go to a refugee camp. Like, I absolutely hate that. Like, they don't want you there, Alice, like walking around going, isn't this awful? Like, they don't want you there at all. But she's, her character, it's just not very realistic. Like, apart from the, the bit about she's her... she's not quite Chelsea Clinton? I don't know when she's like, my dad is a great man, said no 12-year-old ever to Gary Oldman. But the bit which we are now at, I think, where he looks like he's going to kiss her. Is that the bit you were talking about that you didn't find funny? So he leaned, Gary Oldman is shouting at her. My favourite bit when I was in Ghent, Alice and Grace, the president's wife. Mm. So he's leaning forward in front of Alice and he's like, tell me what you think. And Grace says, you don't need to answer that. And he goes, shut up! (laughs) Which is fucking awesome. It's good, except that he's like, uh, he's uh, he's like, tell me. And it's really good. He's got his his accent there. It's quite good. He's like, tell me what I need to know. And then when he says shut up, he goes, shut up! Exactly. That's why it's brilliant. He's a cockney. Proper cockney. Shut it! Shut it! And then he's back in his character. And But did you not think, and I've thought this every single time I've watched it, he's got Alice in front of it and he leans forward and you, I'm thinking, I love Gary Oldman in this mm. and I think he's like, I'm with him, like he's going to kiss her. And so that was really problematic for me first time. He's like, but I like you, but you're about to sexually abuse a 12 year old. So that's not very good. And then he swerves at the last minute and he kisses her on the forehead and it's really, really dark. Mm. It's a very fatherly thing to do. And it's really, really awful. But the mental gymnastics I had to do, because I was like, I love you, Gary Oldman. And now you're going to kiss her and I still need to love you. Do you really love him in this? It's it's weird because I think this could, you know, it's not short of diehard references, as you pointed out, Chris, but he could have got, this could have been like his Rickman moment, you know, and I think he swings and misses. I just, I don't think he's as good as you expect Gary Oldman to be. I think he's brilliant. I think this is quite early on. Like, you know, I mean, I think if he did it now, he'd be a lot better, maybe. But I was just a bit surprised. Okay. I like the poise and the confidence, though, uh, that with which that young actress has when she's acting opposite Gary Oldman. Yes. And so I wanted to look into who she was. And I'm not surprised she's confident because she's one of the Hyatt dynasty. And soon after this, she sued her family for $12 billion. Wow. Uh, She won a settlement. They settled out of court. So unsurprisingly, she no longer acts. No. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus She doesn't need to do that. Um, So the president finds a satellite phone but forgets his home number. $12 billion. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Would you get... It's that question though, isn't it? Would you carry on working if you ended up with $12 billion in the bank? I think I would carry on doing something that made me happy. Yeah. Clash of the titles. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yes. Okay. I'd do this. Yes. Just buy your way into a bigger podcast. <laughs> so uh, he gets through to the White House, but they don't believe it's him. I quite <laughs> like that moment. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite good. Um, he gets caught, but keeps the phone on, giving tactical information to the people on the ground. It's quite good fun. Um, he orders them to fire on Air Force One to cause a shockwave to knock the terrorists off their feet, mm. uh, which works. That's and the good. president overpowers another terrorist while his staff all listen. And it's just great stuff. But then the president says, we've got to get this plane on the ground. And I'm going to tell you why that's a problem after this break. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So Harrison Ford says we've got to get this plane on the ground. And those are words you don't want to hear from an actor who, in 2020, was investigated by US aviation regulators after his plane wrongly crossed a runway as another aircraft was taking off. In 2017, Harrison Ford landed at John Wayne Airport in Orange County, passing over a passenger jet with 116 people on board. And in 2015, he made an emergency landing on a golf course near Santa Monica after reporting engine failure. He suffered a broken pelvis and broken ankle in the crash. Wow. Again, not something you want to hear from a bloke who's done that. <laughs> no. But um, then his press secretary gets murdered on loudspeaker. Don't you think that's haunting? Yeah. Melanie's death is haunting. Yeah. You don't expect it to happen. No, but that's why, because Gary Oldman is such a good villain mm. that I will kill someone every 30 minutes, and he does, which in films like this, often they don't. They find a reason for it not to happen. Yeah. And to kill Melanie, lovely Melanie, who doesn't want to die. It's the way she showed him round earlier and they were all yeah. chummy and she was like being really nice to them. Yeah. That really sets up a grim way to go. Yeah. But it's also, it's because we love looking at Harrison Ford's face in these situations because he's so conflicted at first and then he's devastated and then he's enraged and we all love angry Harrison Ford. <laughs> so he starts sabotaging their mission by... Not, first... not, not in an interview, you don't. But go no. on. <laughs> Have you skipped over the bit where he makes a girl risk her life so that she can send a fax for him? Even no. though all he needs to do is send a fax. He's, he gets that girl, he's like a staffer out of the conference room. We have to get a message to the White House. And she's like, sir, they won't have done the fax lines. And you're like, brilliant. So then he's like, come with me, staffer. And it's like, if 
if you're just going to, I was like, she must know a secret code that you don't have access to for security reasons. But he goes, send that fax. And she's like, yes, sir. And she presses the button and a bit of paper goes through the fax machine. It's like she could have got killed to do that, Harrison Ford. That's not a very noble no. thing for you to do. That's That happens after, because the next thing he does is he sabotages their mission by dumping fuel. And the plan is to fax the White House with a message to refuel at a low altitude so he can parachute the hostages to safety. Because then we get Air Force One, W-O-N, as he gets that fax through, he gets a whole bunch of them to safety. And we see that fax lady grinning as yes. she sails through the air, yeah. which is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in a mainstream movie. <laughs> that is the scene that I cracked up at. I remember, I remember when I was watching it in 1999 uh, with my ex-girlfriend. We just both were like, what the fuck is happen? that? Yeah, it's really funny. She's just grinning. She's like having the yeah. best time. They got, they got her in front of a blue screen and just said, smile, smile, grin, laugh. She's sort of You're looking, in the movie. She's looking around her. She's like looking around her going, oh, this it's, is... New, very funny. This is yeah. Amazing. I've never been in a parachute before. <laughs> it's fucking mental. <laughs> um, uh, the rescue happens, but the terrorists uh, get through, and a bunch of people die. The fuel plane disconnects and bursts into flames. The president is holding on for dear life at the back of the plane before he's pulled to safety. And now the hero and villain come face to face for the first time. Uh, Igor asked him to pick between wife and daughter. Cool. <laughs> Like that, yeah. like that. Pick your daughter, obviously. Um, and he makes a speech about freedom and the terrible things America has done to his country. Quite a lot of which makes a lot of sense. Um, the president refuses to call Russia on his behalf. Igor puts a gun to his daughter's head. But another reason I hate Alice, right? So he, brilliant Gary Oldman puts a gun to his daughter's head and he's going, you will, you will, you will ring them or whatever, ring your mate. And he's like, I won't, I won't. He's like, I'm going to kill your daughter. He's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And she goes, no, dad. It's like, it's just, it's just saved your life. Give him a break. Don't make him feel bad about it. Try. Thank you. But she's right because by the logic of the movie, and I guess the constitution as well, the president is acting in the best interest of his family and not the country anymore. This is the trouble. Yeah, Dean Stockwell is 100% right. He's right. That he's the defence secretary. <laughs> yeah. He's claiming that the president is incapacitated yes. because of his wife and child. And he is. Mm. The, the president is basically a traitor now. Yeah, and it's really cool, the idea that the president of the United States is a bigger than one person. So you can stay one step ahead of your enemies by moving the goalposts in that way. Yeah. So, okay, the man you have on that plane is no longer the president. So fuck you, Gary Oldman. Now it's Glenn Close. And what are you going to do about that? That's what would actually happen. And there should be a bit of that. Like, it is madness that Glenn Close, as brilliant as she is, he's like, oh, well, I won't sign it. It's like, but you really should mm. because he should no longer be the president, obviously. Yeah. It's good. Good, though, the way they cut to Raddick's release. Mm, uh, from yeah. the Gulag. And the prison looks amazing. It's the Shawshank prison. Is it? It's the same prison. It's from so Shawshank. good. Yeah, it's uh, the Ohio State Penitentiary. Yeah, I love um, It's weird. I, when I heard them, um, Le International, I was like, I know, I've heard that song before and I'd forgotten this memory. I once went, when I just started living in Highgate, I went to see Karl Marx's grave in Highgate Cemetery. Uh, I was with my mum and we walked up and uh, there were a lot of people there in a sort of military uniforms and there was a, a representative from like uh, the Cuban government. There was a representative from the Chinese government. They were all standing there. And I've because I'd never been before, I was like, I guess this is normal. I guess this is just a regular day at Karl Marx's grave. And then they all put their hands to the chest and start singing Le Internationale. And it was Karl Marx's, the anniversary of his death. And a guy from the Socialist Worker Paper Party comes up to me and goes, fantastic, you're here. I didn't know you were involved in the movement. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh shit. I was like, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I felt like I'd invaded a personal party. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love communism. And they were like, are you, are you going to sing? And I was like, put mm-hmm. your fucking hand on your chest, mum, and mouth along to this song because I've said we're part of this now. <laughs> Wow. So we both stood there in Mouthly International at like Karl Marx's anniversary at his grave with the Cuban government and the Chinese government. Are you still a member of the Communist Party? <laughs> Are you now? Have you ever been a member? <laughs> Do you know anyone who's a member? Do you have any intention of becoming a member? <laughs> we shouldn't be in this room with him. Um, and so Eagles won. He's got his man out of prison. He's returning home with a presidential hostage. But our guy ain't taking that. He cuts through his bindings with some glass and takes on the bastards. There's people getting shot, people falling downstairs, people throwing themselves in front of bullets to save the president. The pilot is dead. And now it's Air Force one on one because the president and Eagle go toe to toe having a fight on the back of the plane. It's a good punch up, but it's over quite quickly. Yeah. Because the president wraps a strap around his neck, pulls the parachute and then yells, get off my plane. (laughs) (laughs) And Eagle's gone. It's a good line. Eagle's gone. It looks a bit silly as well. Like I wanted, because I love him so much, I wanted a cool death, but I wanted quite a dignified death and him sort of dangling. Do you not think that's the best thing about it though? Because it makes, makes for all these powerful speeches and all his bravado, he just ends up like a corpse floating towards the earth with his head lolling on the side. I thought that was the best thing about it. It's just because I love him. I just wanted Right, he's the villain. I know so. it's very tricky for me in this film because right. I kind of want him to win would a bit. You, would you have liked to see him just manage to parachute out of the plane and then be grinning at everything he saw around <laughs> No, him? he catches Steven Seagal. Yeah. That's how Seagal survives. Then he goes Shared to the White universe. House and yep. he runs operations from down there. <laughs> uh, then Harrison Ford does Harrison Ford running to stop the general being freed. And I love watching Harrison Ford run. There's something magical yeah. about it. He's got it? a good run. He it's gives a very, good run. It's a very specific run. And he makes the call and Radic immediately takes four bullets in the back. <laughs> That's good. good. That's, it's good because like Gary Oldman's death is really sort of like worthless. Yes. Right? Mm. And Radix is exactly the same sort yeah. of. He, he makes a run for it. And can see the escape. It's yeah, really good. It's good. And this is actually when I write down in my notes, how can there be 25 minutes left? Um, but yeah, we, we can no longer land. They're landing near a base loyal to Radic. Um, and so there's a bunch of MIGs on their tail. Yeah, it's a bit stupid. And Special Agent Gibbs is still doing traitory things for resolutely unspecified reasons on the yep. plane. Uh, they dodge missiles in a jet. So I'm not sure you can do that. That probably upset you because it's not realistic. I actually... Blo- I- Absolutely. This is one of my favourite moments where Halo 2 sacrifices itself by it's really getting good. in between the yeah, missile and the plane. Yeah, it takes a bullet. It's mm. yeah. amazing. So good. Uh, Air Force One's badly hit and there's no way they can land now, so it becomes Air Force Run as the remaining passengers escape via an airborne zip line. I always get confused, and I don't. I, it's an idiotic thing to do, but I get confused sometimes between the end of this movie and the start of Cliffhanger because it's exactly the same mm. thing, except yeah, with yeah. suitcases shipping things back and forth between sure. two planes. Mm. Works better there than here, I would say. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, the president's supposed to go first, but yet again, he's being a traitor. He insists on his family going first. That is not your job, Mr. President. Exactly. Yep. There's a couple of rules and you've just got to follow them. Um, Gibbs shoots the new pilot, shoots William H. Macy, uh, fights the president for that final zip line. But Harrison Ford obviously wins that fight. Doesn't he? It's never in doubt. It's Xander Berkeley. He ain't, he ain't winning a fight against yeah, Harrison Ford. So, there's no doubt. I wasn't really enjoying this bit. I, I, no, I thought I, I was going to enjoy it more because I thought, oh, this is good because they're not going to try and land the plane. Like, so this idea that Harrison Ford is a pilot early on is like, oh, well, that's just information now. He's not actually going to try and land the plane. And the idea that it is going to crash. So that's just fact. 
I quite liked it. Mm. And Gibbs goes down with the plane, taking his secrets from that earlier script to the grave. <laughs> Did you not see? He's got another. They do good deaths because his death, you see him like, like the, it's a full shot of the plane and you can see this little man and he sort of falls to his knees yeah. when he realises the plane's going to hit the sea. Yeah. You see this tiny little figure fall to his knees and then gets sort of sucked out the door and he goes, yeah. this is great. And we're now into Air Force and then there were none. As the terrorists are all dead and the president makes it onto the other plane and the VP rips up that piece of paper that she should have signed. Uh, so she's a traitor as well. But everyone seemed to be celebrating the fact that the president is a cold-blooded killer. Though at this point, I don't care because I'm screaming out, God bless America. <laughs> um, and that's Air Force done. Good work. i got nothing else. Okay. V? No, that's, no just, that was great. Thank you. Yeah, that was good. Vicky? Yes. What was your favourite scene? Um... Oh, it's it's um, it's either <laughs> I shouldn't choose this. It's when I thought Gary Oldman was going to kiss a child because it makes it's just the the layers there. There's mm. a lot going on for me in that scene, and I just think it's fun that he just pulls back from that moment. Um, do you think he ever was? Like, yes. Do you yes, think you're yes. meant to think he's going to kiss her on the lips? Because I did not take that from it. I've seen it four times, definitely. You th- so you you think I think he's threatening. He's intentionally making the audience think he's going to kiss her on the lips and then changes. I it. think he's saying as a character, he's saying to that child's mother, "I have you here, and what we're doing is a lot of shouting and a lot of shooting. But you're two women, and these are two men, and things could be very different. So bear that in mind. That's what he's saying to that character. Interesting. I know that's my reading of it. Okay. So there's that, but actually, I think the best scene, just because it's like brilliant, violent, not violence. Sorry, that's the Freudian slip. <clears throat> brilliant villainry, mm-hmm. villainy villainy mm. is killing Melanie I think that's the best scene because then you're like well all bets are off you will kill everyone because you killed a nice person and killed a nice lady okay Alex uh, it's Halo 2 sacrificing itself by getting in between the missile and Air Force 1 I got tears in my eyes at that bit you know I love a little bit of action like that and it I was is like, brilliant oh that's great Mine is when Harrison Ford says, get off my plane. <laughs> I know it's stupid, but it's just, it's, I love it that much. <laughs> uh, and my MVW is also Harrison Ford. I think this is one of his iconic characters, possibly top five. Although it's so much crossover mm. with the Tom Clancy ones. Um, he often comes out as the best on-screen president ever, James Marshall. And all those, all those charts and polls that they do, he always wins. But uh, mine is Ford as well. Yep. Vicky. Gary Oldman. Really? Obviously. Wow. Oh my God, of course. It's just the the accent is brilliant when he slips back into his normal shut accent it. and goes, shut it, shut you mug. That's fucking awesome. And when he's talking to us, he's like, I have three little children. And it's like, oh, you're, you're complicated. You have children. You're not just this like monster. It's a complex character. And I love the fact that he never wastes an opportunity to grandstand about communism, even to a 12-year-old. He's mm. like, let me tell you everything, which I love. And you just don't see that many villains that say... I am going to do this thing and then actually does it. Like when he says to the pilot, I will kill you unless you lift this plane. And then he just does. Yep. That's the fucking pilot. Like, what's your game plan there? It's brilliant. I mm. will turn my back on God for Mother <laughs> Russia. There you go. Okay. Um, what would you change, Alex? Uh, I would uh, change, obviously, what the fuck Agent Gibbs's motive yes. is. Yeah. Uh, just get that back That's in. a given, isn't it? Like you say. Re- replace all the chain of command stuff. Because we genuinely don't care about that chain of command stuff. Replace yeah. that with just something, some explanation of Gibbs. Yeah. Uh, but I'd also swap out Gibbs and Ford in terms of the order in which they die. I think, um, not sure. Ford. Uh, Oldman, 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 Oldman
Two things. Uh, when Harrison Ford is first picking through like the luggage and he's going to look for the phone, I think he should be looking for his baseball glove. That's the most important thing in the world to him. I think that would be quite funny. Because uh, he's going to get his baseball glove before and pay, he gets his family. And ca- catch. Is it, what does they say? He's going to get his baseball glove and pay, play, play catch with that guy's balls. That's right. Yeah. And he should do that. Or I know we just talked about... Is that the ending you'd like for Gary Oldman? I thought you wanted something more dignified. (laughs) Harrison Ford is throwing his balls around with a baseball glove. My real change, having just slagged off all the sort of admin side in the White House, which I do agree with both of you, is Kate... Glenn Close doesn't sign the piece of paper and it makes absolutely no sense as to why she doesn't sign it. So she's like, she says something like, I won't do that to him. So I would like an explanation of the backstory between the president and the vice president as to why she owes him that. Because that's the emotion in that scene. She's like, I'll do this favour for you, Harrison Ford. But why would you do that? That's it. Uh, as I said, I think the president's way too capable here. I think we need something affecting him or a weakness or maybe have him arguing with his wife when this shit goes down to make him already stressed and make it even more like Die Hard. <laughs> um, and also stick some snakes on the plane as well. Oh, sure. God, yeah. Sharks, though. Sharks on a plane. Perfect. Sort of an, an aquarium. Yeah. The scene in an aquarium on a plane. That's why, that's, sorry, that's my change. I'd like them to be transporting sharks in an aquarium facility All right. and the final fight takes place underwater. I think it's safe to say we're Air Force done. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Lovely business. Right then, it is time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! So, V, your movies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Chris, you should go first. You looked at me like you didn't know how this worked. I, I, always, I don't know why it always says <laughs> in my surprise. We've been doing this for a while now. Yeah, I know. We really have. Yeah. I was thinking about that today. And what were you thinking? Well, because it was so it was the twins' first day at school mm. and I dropped them off and it was fine. And I remember dropping Marshall off for his first day at school and then coming to do a podcast straight away. <gasps> it's so weird. Wow. Yeah, weird. We've been doing it a while. But when I dropped Marshall off, I remember coming to do the podcast and I was very emotional, but obviously I hid it from you two because you're weird about stuff like that. Mm. Today I feel absolutely fine. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's really nice. Do you love Marshall more? I mean, obviously, no. <laughs> your first child, you know, that's your that's your first foray. That's representing you in the world, and mm. the other two. Well, you put all your effort into that one, and then you know you can half ass. And the I rest. would like him to raise the other two, ideally. Yeah. So now that they're all at school, mm. do you think you've got to more do more time podcast to actually uh, <laughs> watch executive decision? Yeah, watch properly. executive decision pro- properly. Possibly, yeah. yeah. I'll say maybe. I'm I'm just worried that this verdict today is kind of null and void because you didn't really watch executive. I decision. did watch it. I did. Do you want me to go first then? Because you know which one I'm going to choose. Yeah, fuck it. Right, okay. So I do think, having slagged off executive decision quite a lot, I do think it tells a bigger story, as in there's more story elements, right? Because you've got get on the plane, then there's a bomb, then there's a sleeper and all of that. But the action folds back on itself. We have action, then we have nothing. And then the action kind of stops until we go and get the sleeper. And David Suchet, Poirot is a really good villain, but obviously Gary Oldman is so much better. And in... Air Force One, the action builds, classic writing thing, but it's important to me that each scene has a consequence for the next and those building blocks of the scene, you couldn't put this scene previous and all of that, whereas executive decision, you could move around some of those scenes and it wouldn't have any impact on the story. Air Force One, the plane looks wicked. Executive decision, the plane looks boring. Air Force One is a better film. It's also a great film. It's in my top five favourite films. What? Might Might have got pushed out lately. Let's say top 10, not to be too crazy. So obviously Air Force One. Right then, good. Air Force uh, One. Right, okay, so next, Alex. Great. Uh, so I weirdly, I found a Reddit thread um, about comparing these two movies and a lot of people talk about Air Force One being Armageddon and Executive no. Decision being Deep Impact, the sort of one that was less successful but is less brash, slightly more thoughtful, slightly slower. Has some emotion. So 
I thought going into this, because you know my feeling about those movies, Armageddon is the better film. And I thought going into this week, it was definitely going to be Air Force One, hands down. Because I remember watching it in 99 and thinking, a lot like you, this is a fantastic film. I didn't this time. And I'll tell you for why. It's because Harrison Ford spends a long time in the same room with different terrorists walking down the same flight of stairs and him killing them Mm. or having a gunfight with them. And then eventually one person has a smart idea to maybe shut the fucking door and (laughs) trap him down there. But it takes a long time. It feels like an idiot computer game where you, you know, like in Grand Theft Auto, where you could find a space and you could, the cops couldn't get you and you just armed up and sat there and just took all the cops out. It feels like that. He's just in there and they're like, another one's coming down. Bang. Another one's coming down. Bang. So I got quite bored with that. I don't think Gary Oldman is as good as you think he is. I think it could have been a Rickman moment and I think he, he, he swings and misses. And what the fuck is Agent Gibson's deal? That's an idiotic, idiotic takeout. Executive decision, I think, is more tense. I think it's more tense. I think the creeping round, the placing the cameras, the keeping quiet, I I was a lot more tense. And then the payoff of the climax is quite exciting. It's certainly the less stupid of the two films, in my opinion. And Seagal dying is a wow moment. Uh, So it is a close one. It is close. But I am going for executive decision. Suck it up. Incorrect. (laughs) Right, go on then. Uh, Air Force One is an action movie. Executive Decision is an action movie that mainly consists of people talking about action. I'd say it's more of an inertia movie. I was trying to come up with a term for it. It felt like inertia. And it's made worse by the fact that rather than casting Gary Oldman, they made Poirot the villain. I'm with you on that one, Vicky. He's much better. So it's not even close this week. Passenger I mean, Air Force One is better in every way, shape and form. It's a no-brainer. I didn't think it was close. I thought it would be close. It is not. Okay. Fine. <laughs> oh shit! Look, he's about to blow. No, I'm not. He's I'm trembling because it's my week, so it's more important to me. His lips I'm not trembling. mad. You are mad. You're, you're raising your voice. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. <laughs> Alex, not mad. you are shouting I'm now. You are shouting. Zip it. Zip I'm it. Not mad. I'm just. I think I'm more angry that it feels like you've sort of made it seem like I screwed up by picking executive no. decision at all, and we should have done Passenger Fifty Seven. That's what paranoia talking. We've never said. We'll that do it another time. We'll do it one of my weeks. Well, let's do. Let's do Air Force One and Passenger 57 next week. Screw my movies. I was about to announce them, but let's do Air Force One again. You can watch it a fifth time and we'll do Passenger 57. No, because we've watched your movies and we like both of them. Okay, so my movies next week. Here, the clue again from Monday's show is just when she thought it was safe to go back in the water. Victoria from 2016, you're doing The Shallows. (laughs) Thanks. And Chris from 2019, you were doing Crowl. Say it properly. Crawl. You're doing crawl <laughs> and you're doing the shallows. Happy? Said it properly. Shallows is available to rent uh, from most places, including Amazon. Crawl is too, but if you have a Netflix subscription, it is also available for free on there. Crawl versus the shallows. That's next week. Do your homework. Uh, if you haven't already, do please subscribe to us. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. We are back on Monday talking the shallows. Bye-bye. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 